Okay, we continue in Colossians. If you want to turn there, we're finishing chapter 1 and headed into chapter 2 today. Colossians, and we're, we're looking at uh, uh, just an amazing letter that Paul wrote to a church he didn't really know. I wonder today if you've ever really considered mysteries. And I think of mystery, and I, I for me, I guess I think of the great mysteries of the world. And have you seen Stonehenge, those six-ton rocks, and they're in a circle, and with things on? How do they do that? It's a mystery. The pyramids, I mean, people talk more about them and understand a bit how they made them, but these massive things that they made thousands of years ago, how do they do that? I think of things like, I don't know, in our culture, who killed JFK? That's a mystery. For me personally, I think, well, what, what causes autism or something like that? These medical mysteries that we don't really understand. But for any of them, any of what I've just mentioned, they're kind of uh, things, I suppose, that I wonder about and might be a mystery. I don't understand them. But they're not something I would give my life for. I will go to my grave not knowing how Stonehenge was made. I will not lose sleep. It will not be something I care deeply about. But there's something today, if... if let me frame it a different way. If your family were going to die of a terrible disease and you, in another state, have the secret of the cure for that disease, now I care. Now I want them to know I know yesterday because I want to save my family. I want my family to actually get it. I want, I want that mystery to be known by them. them. Then they'll be cured. They'll be saved. That's the kind of mystery we get to talk about today. Not some sort of heady question, uh, theoretical, scholastic, wonder how something was made. But actually, something so important that we're going to see. Paul saying, I don't mind that I get beaten, tortured, or killed. Amazing. And it's here in Colossians. And this is the main point this morning. Millions of people have lived and died not knowing this critical mystery that you and I get to know because of this book. That's why I love the Bible. And we get to look at it today. Look at it with me. Hidden no more is what we're calling this. It begins in Colossians and it talks about a mystery revealed. So we'll start there. It's chapter 1 of Colossians and we'll pick it up in verse 24. Paul says this. Now, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. That is the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. Okay, but pause there and just, just think with me about Paul for a minute. We know him, but to think he's languishing in prison, he's possibly going to his death. He writes this letter to people he doesn't, don't, doesn't really know. An unfamiliar church. And, and he says he rejoices in suffering. And I don't know about you whenever I've read that. I, I don't really understand it. What, I, to, to rejoice in suffering? In fact, doesn't he say he's filling up what's lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body, the church? And I've always taken that and going, oh, wasn't Jesus' death enough? I mean... 
I've seen the Passion of the Christ, the Mel Gibson movie. It's hard to watch, right? The sufferings of God for us. And here's Paul, and he's just sort of, is he kind of blithely saying, or hey, I'm just filling up what's lacking in the affliction to the church. Jesus didn't suffer enough? (laughs) That's not what he means, is it? Paul's saying here, not, this is a call to, oh, let's go figure out how to suffer. This is Paul saying, what am I doing? What I'm doing is worth it. It's worth it. I rejoice because I'm part of what Jesus came and died for. My very suffering is part of the plan to save. Oh, Jesus suffered more, and I'm willing to small compared to Jesus. And because Paul, particularly, a servant directly from God, given this stewardship, he says, he became a servant, right? And God met with him and, and spoke with him and said, hey, you, this is mystery needs to get known. And it's so important. It's like a top secret message that if you can get it out there, oh, the wonder and the greatness of it. And, and Paul's like, hey, I'll, I'll suffer anything to get this message out. This mystery. This important thing. To make the word of God, he says, fully known. And I guess this is here to me as Paul writes it. it it's, it's not the content of the mystery. But we start thinking, okay, this must be really important. This message, whatever it is, whatever the content of it's going to be, is really important because Paul's not just willing to die. He says, I'm willing to suffer. And that's worse than dying, right? I mean, I get the dying thing, man, put me out in my misery fast. But to suffer... Some of us have more experience with this already than I do. So you can expect, as Paul begins to write this, that he's going to distill down the very most important part of what what the word of God that he's to make known is going to be. The most important thing, and he does. Look what he calls it. So he says, right, given to me to make the word of God fully known. What is it? Here it is. I skipped right over it. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. Okay, there is there, there is a mystery. It's the very heart of Christianity. A mystery, something unknown, right? We know what a mystery is. Probably when I say mystery now, I don't mean Stonehenge so much. When I think mystery, I think novels. Do you? The mystery book. You start in the first page and you're starting to read it, but you don't know how it's going to end. In fact, there's something that happens and, and it's a who done it. And you're like, what, 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 what's, who did kill this person? And there are clues and you're trying to track down what the answer is. And there are dead ends because there's red herrings of people. Oh, now maybe that's the answer and it's not the answer because actually the answer is over here and you didn't know it. That kind of mystery. Clue. You know, Professor Green with the candlestick in the kitchen. But you start out with Professor Plum with the, you know, rope in the dining room. And you're trying to figure out the mystery, the thing you don't know, that you're going to get to the bottom of and then you're going to have it. Paul says there's such a mystery at the heart of Christianity. And it's been hidden for ages. That means time, right? Years. Decades centuries they all pass and they don't get this secret we read the old testament which is composed over a thousand years and and not just time generations he says right right? 
hidden for generations. That's great, 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 great grandfathers. That's the millions of people who have lived and died. They didn't get to hear this incredible, awesome, magnificent mystery. So these are sweet words. These are pregnant words. These are important words. These are life-changing words. Now revealed to His saints. That's not a word that's saying, well, you know, maybe you'll get to know the secret hidden knowledge if you become a saint. Because how did he start the letter? You remember that he started in chapter 1? He says, hey, Paul, an apostle, to the saints. I'm talking to you, he says. I'm talking to the people who are sitting there with faith in Christ. You are called saints. You are called holy ones. And this mystery, this, this incredible secret hidden for ages, now revealed to you and me. What is it? Are you ready yet? I mean, now I'm ready. Now I'm kind of ready. You ready? It's just five minutes of getting ready. Getting ready for, okay, now I'm ready to hear. This is a great mystery. I got to know what it is. He's going to distill it. He's going to give it to me. Okay, here, here. To them, saints, that's you and me. God chose to make known How great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Here, let me tell you, the mystery is this, that pagan, unworthy, unwashed, unclean, unholy, uneducated in the ways of God. Nobody's. (laughs) They get the riches of the glory of this deep wonder, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's it. That's it. You who have nothing, we who have nothing, we are given Christ. By trusting this message, this mystery revealed, no works attached, no great deeds of wonder on your part, and God's spreading goodness that He puts you in Christ and He puts you together. Well, God, he's built up this whole time, this whole paragraph is for this phrase right here. You've got to dwell on it just a little bit. You've got to think on it some, chew on it. There's no other hope of glory that you have except for Christ in you. There's no glory in you. There's no hope in you. The only hope is Christ in you. And the real mystery is that we don't deserve it, not even a little. This is not, is it? This is not Christ helping you. Christ, your helper. Jesus is going to come alongside you and help you. It's not even us in Christ. Absorbs us. This is Him in us. It's a plural. It's in the church. There's a hidden thing because because there's no way if you were real, if you had your eyes open, there's no way you'd ever think this would happen. God hasn't been for thousands of years declaring how lovely you are because you're not. God hasn't been revealing your underlying heart of gold 
Quite the opposite, actually. God hasn't showered you with deserved praise because you didn't deserve any. You and I, the Bible says, were under the sway of the devil. You and I were soaked in sin, kind of like a pickle in vinegar. I don't like dill pickles. They taste too much like the stuff they're in. And I think of sin. Yuck. That's what we are, right? We're just have to take that jar. You're not a cucumber anymore. You've been soaked too long. You're a dill pickle. No, that doesn't sound delicious. But, but that, that's it, right? And, and, and this is God, and then God comes in and he says, no, this mystery is that God himself, holy, pure, clean, wonderful, awesome, magnificent, lovely in every way, without sin, he, he's the real deal, and he comes in you that's like him coming into dirt. This is our hope. This is mystery. This is why Paul continues. He says, hey, him we proclaim. This is Jesus Christ he's talking about. Warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works in me. Look, Paul says, what I really need to talk about, what you really need to know is a mystery. I warn everyone. This is the thing. There have been generations upon generations of teaching about the depth and need for morality. There have been generation upon generation about keeping the right dates and calendars and seasons and years. There have been generations upon generations of your faithfulness that you need to be, of your goodness that you need to attain to, of your things. But I'm telling you, what you need to do, I warn you, those are dead ends. Those are the red herrings. The real mysteries over here, it's Christ in you. And I warn you, Paul says, that this is the only hope you have. Because I want you to be mature in linking your life, and linking all your thinking, in doing all that you do because of this, this thing here, this mystery. Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is a statement of understanding your rescue, right? I mean, he's deep. He's talking about the only hope that you and I have. He, He's saying, I rejoice that I get to suffer because I get to let you in on the greatest secret the world's ever known. And if you'll know and see how this mystery applies to the Gentiles, oh, that's how you see it. Because that's who you are. It's hard for us. I mean, we read stuff like this. I read stuff like this. I've read it probably a hundred times or two hundred times in our lives. It starts to dull. We start to just skip right over and keep on going. So let me let me let me tell a little story. This is from my favorite book growing up. I read it lots of times, and now you you know it. It's made made into movies and plays and whatnot. But let me try and tell. So there's a man. He's a normal man, humble, salt of the earth guy. But he's super hungry in, in uh, France of 200 years ago, and he steals a loaf of bread. And he steals a loaf of bread, so he goes to jail. He gets caught. 
He's trying to feed himself and his family. He gets caught and goes to jail. He goes to jail for 19 years. And at the end of those 19 years, he's going to be let go. And he's talking to what you would modern day parole officer, the law officer over him. And, and, and the, the, says, the man says to him, says, John, do you know? Do you know what this means? That you're being let out. And, and, and John says back to him, says, yeah, I've served my time and I'm free. And the man says, no. No, you get this little yellow ticket of the paroled convict. And that plus your shaved head, as you go around looking for work, you won't be able to find any. Because you'll carry your wickedness wherever you go. And he did. He went out. He couldn't find anywhere to stay. He couldn't find any work. You, he, he, people knew. People know. They look at you. They see that you're not a good person, that you've been had this history. He couldn't find work. Finally, he stumbles and falls. It's the snow. He goes into an alcove. He sits and just to fall asleep as he's dying of hunger. And, and he looks through the courtyard, and, and it's a church, and a man with a lantern comes up, and it's the bishop. It's the one who runs the church. He says, hey, son, come on in. I'd love for you to have a meal. So he does. He has a man and he says, spend the night. He says, how could you have me spend the night with you? How do you know I'm not a murderer? This, <laughs> the guy laughs, the churchman. says, God will take care of that. And as they sleep that night, the dogs are barking. So John wakes up and he, he looks and he sees across into the bedroom of, the, of this bishop and he sees over is the silver and the, the things in the church that are nice things. And so he goes and he steals some of them and runs away. You see, don't you, that it's like, hey, oh, a dog to his vomit. Stealing some more, doing bad things. Once you've done bad things, you'll do more bad. Look, this guy is just, ugh. The, 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 the paroleman is right. And they catch him, of course. They catch him with the silver that he's stolen and they bring him back into the, to the bishop and they say, hey, we, we've, we've caught the man who stole your silver. And the bishop says, it's the hinge of the whole book. He says, oh, well, no. It, it, he can have that, that, that. That's a gift. John, John, you forgot the you forgot the candlesticks. They're the the nicest piece. You you were supposed to take those too. Here, here, have those. And he goes and he puts those candlesticks in his bag. And the officers of the law they say, oh, oh, we made a mistake, and they let him go free. Right, that that that's a story about about this mystery. Because the, the bishop, the churchman, he has this amazing statement. He says, by, by the passion and the blood, God has raised you out of darkness. I'm sure you know this story. It's Les Miserables. It's Jean Valjean. It's the, John, it's the, the man in Spain. cannot understand mercy and grace. And, and you have this incredible statements that that a man who is infected by one-way love 
He carried around his sin and he, he was shown no mercy. He was broken and hopeless. He was barely holding on to life. And a person brought him in and fed him and he chose to rob him and flee rather than stay and give thanks. And he was returning to what enslaved him in the first place. And, 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 and in this moment where he should have received punishment and condemnation, he was shown grace and mercy, pardoning him what he deserved and given riches he had no right to. If you're honest... You're that man. This is the wonder that we proclaim. This is what we stand on as Christians. We stand and we say, we have seen a mystery. What's the mystery? Grace undeserved. The gospel is true. God who has every reason to say, there he goes again, that Dax. There he goes again, that sinner. I have no mercy for him. Instead, not just loved me, but sent his son to enter into my dirty world, to enter into my dirty heart, to enter into my bad places. Not that I clean them up for him. Oh, let me, let me be better so that Jesus will be in me. He comes into my dust and he brings life. Life's a mystery, and we are speaking of life in Christ. This is the mystery revealed. This is the wonder of it all. If we could, if we could grab it in our own hearts, if we could feel the passion, and I'm just describing it so I do a poor job, but to actually pull you in and you might see it, the wonder of the mystery of, of, of Christ in us, the hope of glory. I have no other hope. It's now been revealed, Paul says, but not wants to make sure we understand it. This mystery gets understood. Because he keeps on going into chapter 2 in the same vein. Look with me. For I want you to know, he says, how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. And, and so he continues to talk about a struggle that he has. In other places, he says, I'm striving, I'm running a race, I, I'm doing these things, and the question is, for what? And, and, and it, it, see that it's for other people. I so want you to understand this mystery. So I have a special place in my heart and a special struggle for those of you who haven't seen me, and he's writing to people who believe in Jesus but haven't seen him, just like you, just like me. That's us. He says, what's his struggle? What does he really strive after and struggle for? That, that your hearts may be encouraged. He says their hearts. He means people that haven't seen him. That's us. Hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery. Right, so Paul's struggle is that he wants Christians' hearts to be encouraged. How we need that in the world we live in. We need encouragement. Paul's struggle is that he wants our hearts to be knit together in love. And what is that? Say it's the love of Christ, but but what's going to do that? What's going to take a, a a group of people like us who have such different lives, have such different experiences, who have the ups and downs in different roles and places in life, what's going to take it to knit us together in love? Here it is, he says, this happens as we all reach all the riches of full assurance. These are the riches of your life, friend. 
You may have a difficult family life. You may have difficult work existence. You may have relational struggles. But there are riches for you and me in assurance that God has you. You're part of a family. It's not based on him. This riches of full assurance is this amazing subtleness in something. There's an object, right? Full assurance, what? Of understanding and the knowledge of this mystery of God. If you'll get this great gift, this is what you and I need, the knowledge of the mystery. The riches are here. The full assurance when you get this mystery revealed. And this is why he wants you and me so much to understand this. Oh, that we might have understanding. I think that's because uncertainty marks us. For me, I'm that way. I'm not naturally prone to statements of unction, to confidence in Christ. I think almost all of us are prone to uncertainty, and we ask questions that drive our uncertainty, not our full assurance of the mystery. We, we walk around in some sort of uncertain place, like I might take a wrong step, and I ask questions that are meant to focus us, but actually they do the opposite, usually. Things like this, like, are you doing enough? Are you doing enough for Jesus? It's not a bad question. Man, Jesus owns me. He owns everything I have. But when I hear that question, I think, no. It creates uncertainty in my heart. Why? Because I don't really understand the mystery of Christ in me, that he's in me. What I hear is, no, I I can never do enough. So there's always something else to do. So I hear the the negative side. I, I do that with that. Are you doing the right things? Are you taking advantage of the means of grace? And that's a good question. It's a good thing for me to consider. Boy, man, I want to read my Bible to know Jesus. I want those things. But what that births in me as I hear it as you and I question, what it births in me because of my uncertainty, my lack of assurance, I think, oh, no, I'm not. It's a short step from there to God's mad at me. It's a short step from there to I must not really be a member of the family. This is the opposite of what Paul wants to do with you and me. This is my striving. This is where I live. This is what I'm doing. I so want you to know the the revealed understanding of the mystery. What's the mystery? God has entered into your existence. Jesus, full and free, you didn't deserve. You are Jean Valjean. You are the one who, who carries this card and you can lift it up. Yes, I have sinned. Yes, I have. And, and yet that card's been ripped from your hand, torn up because of Christ in you. If you get the mystery, if you understand what it is again here, he says it again. This is the knowledge of God's mystery. What is it again? Which is Christ. We'll even take the in you out of it. Because if you simply see Jesus, look at what he's done. You see, it's in him, hidden, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In the storm of your life, there's an anchor. It is Christ. In him are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, and he is yours.
The gift of God is Jesus, and Christ in you is Christ who is ours, our head, our Savior. He gathers us. He is the shepherd, isn't it? We the sheep. Our eyes are on him. He's the author and the finisher. He's the perfecter, the maturer. He's the one all the way through, redeemer, friend, brother, God. And he says it because of this. He says, I say this to you. This central truth that you've got to understand, this so depth, this is the mystery. I say this to you in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. We must take a moment because into this great gospel of Jesus in Christ alone, in their day there were arguments that Jesus wasn't really deity. In their day, they were questioning those things. Jesus isn't really God. You need to keep special days and calendars and, and feasts and those things. In, in our day, arguments differ, but they're along the same lines if you boil them down. Arguments slide in. They begin to delude you. They do. That's why we gather and study the Word. One great theologian spoke of the arguments in our day, thusly says, quote, make Christ master in the life, putting into practice the principles of Christ by one's own efforts. These are merely new ways of earning salvation by one's own obedience to God's commands. That's a, I don't know if you know J. Gresham Macon, great Princeton theologian in 1920, said, here's the danger, you guys. The danger that slips in is that you take the principles of Christ, but not Christ. You take the rules and regulations, which are good, and you make them the ultimate. You make that your marker instead of this mystery. What's the mystery? Christ in you. The relationship, right? You have a Savior. He died for you. Your whole life is about relating to Him. It's not about you figuring out things you've got to do for Him. That's not grace. That's something else. He saw the problem. It's always a plausible argument to clean yourself up. It's always a plausible argument that God wants some act of contrition or penitence or duty from you in order that He might be in you. Usually it's seen in light of the struggle you're having in life right now. You must, God must be sad with you because, and I can fill in the blank with whatever hard thing is going through in your life because this world has fallen and we deal with hard things all the time. We deal with kids that won't talk to us or parents that aren't ang or angry with us or money that's tight or health that's poor or a spouse who's angry. or You deal with all these things all the time and what do they all say to you? Maybe they don't have Christ in me. Certainly they don't have Christ in them. I can always take your life and find some things that make a plausible argument. Look at your marriage. Look at your kids. Look at your health. Christ, sure but you haven't done enough. This is the thing he's worrying, worried about for you, that he's struggling against, that he's trying to tell you. This is that not to overlook. This is the mystery. There's not mystery in your works. There's mystery in his work.
And this is what Christianity is about. He wants us to be so careful. And he ends with this, For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. I like it when the church is in order, Paul says. But really what I'm super excited about is the firmness of your trusting Jesus. That's what makes me smile. That's who we are. You and I are people of the mystery. We are this mystery that unworthy people are in the kingdom, not so they can prove their worthiness, but because of Christ. It's all over Paul's letters, this mystery idea. It's in Ephesians. It's in Colossians. It's in, it's in 1 Corinthians. It's, it's in there. But let me give you one. It's at the end of Romans. This is Romans chapter 16, and I'm going to put it on the board as we end. This is Paul's benediction to the... Ro- if you've looked at Romans, one of the greatest treasures of theology that we have. And he ends this way. He says, Now to him who's able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of what? Of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages but has now been disclosed through the prophetic writings have been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith, trust, to the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. The maturity you and I need is a deepening understanding of how the good news is true in every circumstance, in every moment, in every breath, that we might have the obedience, which is faith, trusting of this Christ in us, that we don't deserve it for one second, but that he's here and in us. And life is reminding each other of what Jesus has done, loving not as law, but as a response, giving not as a duty, but as gratefulness, finding our identity, not as parents or children or workers or achievers, not as sportsmen or Americans or some ethnic group or the color of your skin, but our identity in Christ, that you and I have this in us together if our trust is in this Savior. We are holders of the mystery now revealed. Christ in us, the hope of glory. May we have no other hope because no other hope will do. We pray with me.